You're listening to the AntsMarching.org podcast, the new brand of AM radio. Welcome back to another episode of the AntsMarching.org podcast. Now, for you veterans out there, you may be noticing something already a little bit different. This is our episode 46, but uh, it's our episode 46 without Matt. We lost our familiar radio voice host that you've all been accustomed to. So I'm sorry to report that uh, those golden pipes, Matt, uh, can't be on the podcast today. So it's myself, Joe, and Jake. How are you doing, Jake? I am doing very well, thank you. When will uh, Matty be returning from uh, his trip to Borneo? We have a little bit of time. We're going we're gonna to try to undertake this ourselves, you know, do what some would probably call impossible, and try to make this podcast without our good friend Matt. Um, so I apologize for my piece before that. Jake, do you want to apologize too? Uh, I just want to apologize because we would have done this, uh, we're recording this on a Monday evening, it's the 18th of May, uh, approximately 9 o'clock uh, Eastern Standard Time. We would have done this Sunday night if I didn't spend like 10 hours trying to set up a freaking Xbox One because the damn directions were non-existent and they didn't tell me I needed like two emails and all this other crap to do it, so I'm not really happy with Xbox right now, but other <laughs> than that... We're here now. Let's not dwell on the past and how much ridiculousness Xbox is to set up. Let's just go forward and talk about I mean, things related to the David Matthews band. You just got that Xbox just to do for podcasts, right? No other reason. I actually did, and, and unfortunately, I'm not even on it right now because the kids are <laughs> hogging it. But, you know, that's, that's why. No. The next one. Yeah. Um, Matt is um, finally making his marriage official. I think how many years has he been married now? Jeez, I can't. I was at the wedding and I can't actually remember. That's embarrassing. That's what I was trying. To, it's it's been a long time. Yeah. Um. But they are finally um doing the amazing Europe honeymoon trip that uh, he and his wife Bonnie have been planning for quite some time. So they're like doing three weeks across, like Iceland, uh, uh, Amsterdam, Rome, Venice, um, Florence, um, Milan, Bulgaria. Bulgaria is probably in there, Munich, Belgium, all over the place, three weeks. So, um, sorry you can't join us. We miss you, Matt. Um, if any of you guys have any last-minute recommendations or tips you want to you want to send him on while he's in his Europe journey, you can always still tweet him at YetDizzle or email him at uh, mattantsmarching, mattantsmarching.org and give him a couple of little tips or send him, send him some something good. Um, but most of you guys don't even know. I mean, Matt... Behind the scenes, Matt is like runs the big portion of all the work to bring the podcast to the masses. I mean, Jake and I, Jake, you can attest. I mean, we pretty much just show up and throw up, and Matt does the rest. Exactly. It's it's just easier that way. Cause <laughs> it's really a gigantic pain in the ass. <laughs> and, and, and and anybody that's seen when we've done some of the live video streams of the recording of the podcast. We end the podcast, and immediately after the end of the podcast, unprompted, Matt starts to complain and moan about all the work that has to do post-recording, all the steps needed to put out the episode. Um, so now, Jake and I get, I guess maybe morely me, get to sit through this pain and uh, Matt uh, kind of smile. I'm, I'm going to be here for moral support, really. That's oh, that's the key. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. That's really good. So, officially episode 46. Um, don't believe what you heard in the last episode where we said 46. That was because there was a a ghost episode 45 that was, um, you could maybe we should say it was taped and never never played, never shared with the masses. And so we got our numbering off. But we are going to get back on track with this episode, episode 46, and we got plenty to talk about. Sorry we couldn't get to you guys before the start of the tour. Um, fairly busy getting, making sure the site was up. Um, but we are now ready to discuss it. And actually, before the start you of the tour, what? what's that? You know, I was just going to say, I just remembered something. We actually did a podcast that was not um, that was not spread out to the masses. I'll have to see if I can find that. Maybe that'll be in our uh, our greatest hits uh, release one day. We yes. did one back around Live Track 16, if you recall correctly. Oh, you and I did one. Okay, all right. That sounds vaguely familiar. I mean, well, when, when when our anthology podcast anthology comes out and it's you know number one on Amazon, maybe the, having that unreleased podcast will really help really help the sales. That'll be the key, yes. Yes. That unreleased, that unreleased podcast of Jake and Joe 
talking about live track six, 16. Hot, hot item. Well, um, you know, we're, it's tour time again. Exciting times. Message boards, sites going uh, buzzing. Um, but actually, before the tour started, we had a little bit a sneak peek with the Letterman webcast. Um, the Legends of Letterman, uh, it was like a one-hour webcast set. I don't know, how would it get about ten songs maybe, Jake, if I recall right? Um, something, something like that. I was afraid you were going to ask me how many songs I played because uh, <laughs> I, I didn't have it right in front of me. But yeah, something like that. I mean, it was, it was nice to watch. I don't know what the quality was um, on your end, but I actually had a, a pretty good um, stream of it. It, it. Mine didn't actually freeze until, ironically, Black and Bluebird, the Really, the only song I wanted to hear. Oh, so I did not know. Ironically, it's funny you say that because I uh, was on a flight um, with an airline that offers Wi-Fi, and I checked out the Wi-Fi to see if I could rogue chance that it has enough bandwidth to actually try to check out the stream, and it was a complete failure. So I did not get to watch it um, live, but thankfully. Um, the Legends of Letterman is available, or ha- had been available. I think it's still available to watch after the fact. You can just go to the website and still stream the uh, the ten shows, the ten songs. I I was right. I just pulled it up. Um, you are correct. Hear it off. So, but I mean, speaking of the the, web, the webcast, I don't know um, if you had any thoughts on it, but here's my th- my thought. The first song of 2015, you know, U.S. tour webcast. I mean, whether you like it or not is a statement. I mean, you're doing a webcast to, for Legends of Letterman. You're doing it to kind of highlight the tour, to sell some more tour tickets, get people excited about the tour, or whatever the multiple motivations are. And that first song, you, you may not want anybody to read into it, but that's the first song. That's what you're presenting as the first song. And I was quite surprised. And the song that they wanted to represent in that first spot was Seven. I don't. Did it catch you off guard at all? No, it didn't. And and first off, as, as always, I'm the biggest apologist in the world for Seven. Um, I feel like Dave and I are the only people left that actually like the song, um, and I still do like it. But really, to me, it was more of a time thing. If you take a look at the set, and we don't have the times in on them yet, um, but I'd be willing to bet that the longest song played that night was Black and Bluebird. Just looking at it, I mean, seven's around four minutes. Stay or leaves about the same. Belly belly knife's the same. I, I bet. I Don't bet. drink is about six. You know, yeah. it's just, that's you got to go with shorter songs. So yeah. I'm not shocked. Um, you know, maybe maybe you could have started like your. I, I see what you're saying. Maybe you want to start with something like Billy's or something like that. But you know, it's a catchy song, and the band really enjoys playing it. So I tell people all the time, you can tell they like playing seven. It's a weird time signature. It's a challenging song for them, and they enjoy it. Oh, for sure. I mean, absolutely. This is like Dave's latest cornbread, right? And Dave wasn't obsessed with cornbread, still is. Um, but seven is definitely something the band and Dave love to play. I'm just surprised as the as as the beginning song. And um, actually tweeted this um, during. Um, uh, the, the Dallas show, I believe, that um, they ended up playing seven during the Dallas, and that was like four songs into the electric set. Completely different experience. The, D- Dave's much looser now. He's been playing for a while. He gets a little bit more goofy up there. The, the song just gets a better vibe. Um, whereas when it's like the first song out, I mean, it's one of those songs, again, Dave doesn't really play a ton on the guitar. He kicks it off and strums, but then all the lyrics, he's just sit there two hands on the mic, and he doesn't really know what to do with his hands on the guitar. Um, it's just an awkward one to um, to start the show, because he's not in that scat kind of groove yet. That was just my opinion. Um, I thought they could have maybe picked another four-minute song. If I, I kind of agree with you. It has to be a, a four-minute song or something to kick it off, but it, it just seemed like, I don't know, there could be some better some better options than seven. No, I, no you're making a good point. I, I, I agree with you. I understand what you're saying, but, um, you know, I think it's just more of a time thing, to be honest with you. So what did you think of, if I can turn around and ask you now, what did you think of Black and Bluebird um, on your first 
listen to it, which I know was not live. And as I mentioned, my stream kind of locked up. Right. So I could hear, I could hear it in pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I could hear, um, it pretty good. Um, so when the first time I did it, cause I was playing it back from the recording and you know, my first thought, uh, when it started off is you just kind of have to get a feel for where's this, where's this thing going? You know, is this a freaking quiet song? Is this a loud song? Is this going to be, you know, where is it? So it took me a it took me a couple couple listens actually just to get a sense of where we're going my first thoughts are this is hugely stefan heavy right it, it he is very very much responsible for a lot of the, the the song and so um you know you need him on point for for black and blue and i would wouldn't be surprised if uh black and bluebird was is actually something that stefan originally came up with like the kind of tune and that the rest, you know, he shared it with uh, Dave or a couple of band members, and they kind of built off of it. I don't know if you got that feeling too, but it seems very much like a kind of a Fonzie baseline, you know, almost like a can't stop kind of foundation that the rest of the song is built on top of. That was my first thought. Um, second thought was, okay, we're getting these funky time signatures again. This seems to be the band's new fun thing. They don't want this fort four and four where you could just easily dance to they want this kind of funky time signature that you kind of get lost in the middle of your dance and you gotta freaking make something up i think they love doing that so that was my other thing was just kind of getting wrapping my head around the new time signature but and then the last thing i would say my thoughts were was lyric wise i was actually really happy that the lyrics were set they it didn't sound like the lyrics were still being formed all kind of all over the map mumblings in some spots because he haven't hasn't filled in filled in lyrics yet i was really happy that you know there were some kind of set lyrics on the downside though i don't i didn't think and i still don't think that it has that catchy refrain that you think of when you hear that you know if somebody says hey black and bluebird you, you want to think of the refrain it, it, all of the, all of it sounds like lyrics and it doesn't have a really good defined piece to it so that's the one kind of piece that i think hurts the song i don't know what do you think well, um, just to counter that, you know, 41 doesn't really have a chorus per se, lyrically. So yeah. uh, it, that part doesn't bother me. Um, musically, ironically, I, it kind of reminded me of Seven because of the time signature, just how it was funky, sort of like in that, um, also along the lines of like Dreaming Tree. Mm -hmm. I, I've seen a bunch of people comparing it, say, making, you know, saying like if this song met this song and such, and there's a bunch of different ones out there like you know saying good good time meets whatever ditch or something like that um you know i don't usually like a lot of dmb songs in the first listen um so my initial reactions are usually kind of whatever i don't really pay too much attention to them um however to counter something you said I, the lyrics didn't exactly grab me and it might have to do with the time signature. It felt like a lot of words. It reminded me of, of uh, what it reminded me immediately of actually was that my, my daughter had just written a paper and she's in fourth grade. And it felt like she was writing. It, I felt like I was reading her paper on whatever it was, monkeys or something that you're just trying to put a lot of words in to fill up the space because mm -hmm. you're supposed to write so many words. That's what it felt like immediately to me. Right. It's just like, oh my God, this has got a lot of words to it. This is and this and is to really that, good. you know, um, jumping ahead here. But I mean, first three shows uh, of the tour in the in in the, in the books, and I would say, hey, DMB fans, jump on new music, love new music, and to that point, freaking get lyrics down and memorized. And usually, it's the first, you go to a venue that's never played the song even after the song's only been played a few times, and you'll still hear that group of people that already had the lyrics down and singing. Didn't really, oh, yeah. didn't really happen for uh, Black and Bluebird. Um, and I think it's just a difficult song to like actually sing the lyrics or learn the lyrics, or it just doesn't, you can't, you know, normally you listen to a song probably 10 times and you just, your brain just absorbs some of the lyrics. Uh, but even this one, that's a little more difficult. So there wasn't a lot of, you know, pro the, the, the two parts that people sang were the, um, Really, the part that goes um, something like "Everybody dies A B C" or or one two three. Well, that was like the one part that you heard everybody sing. But other than that, you didn't really hear a lot of other of the. And Beetlejuice, because everybody likes saying Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Yeah, Beetlejuice yeah. is yeah. I love saying that. 
Exactly. You say it three times and Michael Keaton's there. It's crazy. <laughs> um, I was just looking over uh, our good friends over at the Almanac. Um, actually don't have the lyrics in yet either, um, unless I'm clicking on the wrong thing. They, and I they, don't see that. They do have them. You're clicking on the wrong thing. Okay. Well, at least I, I looked at them um, previously. <laughs> well, go over, go over. You guys know it better than I do because the Almanac's great and they transcribe this stuff and all those guys are fantastic. So take a look at them. Maybe you can print it out and bring it along with you because you're going to hear it this year. So you might as well get it down, right? <laughs> print it out. Bring in, bring in a lyric cheat card with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, if Dave's his prompter, why can't you just bring something with you? That's a good point. I mean, Dave's doing it. Which I, I mean, what's your take on that? You know, um, I know we've debated this in past podcasts, but um, any changed feelings now over the years? I mean, it's actually just become like a no one. When it first happened, people were like kind of angry about it. Um, that seemed to last a half a tour, if that, um, and everyone seems doesn't, beyond it. Doesn't bother me. Does not bother me one iota. Yeah. I could not care any less about it if I tried. If it, <laughs> you know, I like, you know, I like that he still wings it a few times and, and makes stuff up, but you know what? You hear people complain all the time going, Oh my God, he screwed up the lyrics. L look at, uh, jumping ahead again to Austin. I mean, he lost the second verse to what would you say completely? Just started double do ba do ba do ba do ba. Sound like a cartoon character there, and it, you know people don't like that. I, it doesn't bother me. I think it's more real when when people kind of kind of lose where they're going. But you know, it's not like he's reading directly off it. I think it's more like like a true prompt, so to mm, say, right. which was the original idea behind a prompter. It wasn't to read off it exactly it was to kind of give you an idea of where you're going with your script yeah i think i think up. he definitely needs a prompt to remind him like which part of the song he's in because i think you know without the prompter he'll he'll repeat a set of uh, uh verses because he forgets uh, how the, the next set of verses begin and i think that's really the biggest thing is help him yeah get it just get him started like oh yeah okay this is where um great uh cold Cold uh, blue heart comes uh, verse cut lyric comes in exactly and you know with 150 songs it's it, it's perfectly fine it's of all the things to complain about that's like the dead last thing on my list to complain <laughs> about at shows exactly well and speaking of shows yeah. since there were three shows you've already been to what six then on this tour is that correct I'm, I'm not sure how that I'm not sure how that works you have to fill me in on that later but you were there. Um, you were at all three of the shows in Texas, the Austin show, the Dallas show, and the Houston show. Um, if I may ask you um, which for by your the reaction. Which, by the way, we, we kind of dubbed the three-run Texas show as the uh, or the triplets as um, Iron Dancer, a play on, uh, on Iron Man that was going on and causing havoc at the... Uh, at the um, Houston show, it was a big mess, and they had to delay the show an hour because of it. And traffic and parking was a mess. But we decided to say the Texas triplet, if you can make it, get that done. Crossed, uh, you know, it's about three hours between each of the shows um, over a course of whatever three days or so. Um, we dubbed that the Iron Dancer. Complete the Iron Dancer. Oh, well, that's the goal for next year for everyone then to complete the Joe M Iron Dancer. No, no Joe tour. M, no Joe M. <laughs> but I'll get, we'll make a little T-shirt for you. Highly, rec um, highly recommend of, the the series though the uh, the Texas run. It's uh, well, I mean, just it's kind good. of overall as you as you walked into Austin, obviously not having any idea um, when you first saw the acoustic gear on stage. What was kind of your immediate reaction? Uh, my, I, I turned the bend in Austin to see the initial setup of the stage, and I was like, "What is? Like, you have no idea. What is this? What is the stage going to be? It could be a tarp hanging down. They've done that many years covering the stage, and not see anything. And um, first thing to see is a very empty stage. You know, um, this is Austin, um, which happened to be different than the other events, but a very empty stage. And I, the first thing I saw was Carter's drum set. Up front, aimed in the same way um, towards the center of the stage. It was on stage right, just like the acoustic set it was last year. And I was like, okay, this is going to be acoustic set up again. And I was kind of like, I was, I was really hoping inside 
that you know might get something get surprised in some way. Like what what could they be doing with this this first set? I think that was I I didn't really think that they would probably do acoustic again. So it caught me off guard, but I was quickly over. I was like, all right, well at least I know what's coming. Um, we're gonna start off with acoustic set first. Were you surprised by um by acoustic setup first? I was, and I think I was more surprised by what you just said was. Not only did you know what was coming, but you literally knew what was coming because the initial reaction from pretty much everyone watching online, and I would say even people from the venue, judging by the rating that they received over at Ants in Tour Central, is it was essentially a 2014 show. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you talk about you know how the the, the set was set up. Uh, how they ran through it, and then even some of the songs that they picked for it. I mean, yes, it did kind of feel like a 2014 show. It didn't really stick out like, ooh, this is setting, this is setting the standard for 15. This is going to be how how we will remember 15 different than 14. It was just okay. We're we're doing the same format and kind of the same songs. Didn't even really bring back something that had been missed for an entire tour. It was even stuff that had been been played um in in 2014. So that was a that was a little disappointing, I would say. Well, I don't want to dwell on the negative too much with Austin's and we'll move on to the next stuff, but I want to ask you specifically about two songs if I may, if you if you recall. Um what did you think the reaction to Mercy was um, specifically? Because and I mentioned that because I was in um, West Palm Beach last year when Mercy debuted on the tour, and I think that was more of a relief because it was like 160 degrees, and everyone was just like, "Oh, thank God, I get to sit down." Yeah, um, there it, there was um, a bathroom break exodus, I would say, for some group, and then there was, but there was others that like. Actually, like, yes, mercy, cheer, you know, ha excited for it. So there was some division uh, division there um, between the fans, I would say. Um, I was happened to be in the pit, and so I good good portion of the pit moved um, during mercy. But then I also heard some screams of people really excited about it. So it was a, a mixed bag, I would say. But uh, I was one of the ones that hit the bathroom. It's, it's interesting, and I don't want to get too much off topic, but... If you look at the um, official releases from the band of singles, mm -hmm. I think you could make the case that Mercy's probably at the bottom of the list in terms of popularity. And that's counting the stuff from uh, the Everyday album, which is still not, you know, especially warmly received from, you know, the crowd. I mean, it's still, they're, they're, they have a majority approval, but... It, it's just it's just kind of interesting to me that you know the song's not very old, but it really never, never's really taken off live, and it's still not warmly embraced. Yeah, I mean, actually, you just kind of blew my mind because I'm not I don't even think of Mercy as a single. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy that that was that was the lead single off of um, off of Away from the World. Yeah, that's which is crazy, still shocking. Yeah. I don't even think of it oh. that way, but yeah, now that you say that, I mean, big time, I would classify it that way. I mean, it is definitely got to be on the low end of actual of the ones that are marked with the you know title of single. Um, got to be on the low end of you know popularity. The other, the other song I'm I'm always curious about because it it just gets so much um, vitriol on the message boards, and, and I'm always curious to how that kind of translates out. Hmm. Uh, especially I'm curious what this one's gonna be. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with the 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 new one that everybody seems to hate, and that's "Shake Me Like a Monkey." How did I know you were gonna say that? I just freaking do. Um, it, it it is it is what's it like? It's like another what is it like another song. Um, it's like almost like funny the way it is. I kind of put them the same way um, because everyone's kind of like, Ugh, darn, you know. I mean, it's a good song. Kind of hoping for something different, but but then every single person there is singing the lyrics. Like there's nobody not singing <laughs> the lyrics or dancing. So it's like it's like a darn, but everyone enjoys it while you're there type of thing. So it's it, interesting because I, I just listened to that version today. I, I just listened to the Austin show um, right before we recorded this this podcast, and that's essentially what you can hear on the tape from the fan recording. Is you can hear just like this. Oh, jeez, but yet. 
you still can kind of hear a lot of activity from the crowd. It's 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 really weird. Yeah, I, I, it's the only song I can say that that I see that reaction to, and I've seen it for almost four years now yep. of reactions for Shake Me Like This. It's just it's so strange. And that's they actually changed it up. I don't know if anybody even noticed, but the horns were a little bit different toward the the middle to the end. Um, not that anybody really cares, probably, but yeah, it, it, it no, they did do something to it that was a little different. So it's just, you know, it's just interesting. So anyway, let's move on to the the positive weekend that was. Uh, well, I mean, starting in Dallas. Yeah, well, I mean, well, yeah, I guess the weekend started in Dallas. You could say that. I mean, my my take on Austin, just the recap is, you know, I I kind of looked at Austin, and then as you know, we're going to talk about things kind of accelerated majorly. Um, over between Dallas and Houston, and I said, why is that? And I think Austin, for those that haven't been to Austin before, it has. I think it has a couple things going against it. The venue itself has a couple things going against it that the others don't, and it puts it at a disadvantage right there at the start. And so Austin venue is, Austin 360 is a outdoor venue that is outside the city, about 30 minutes um, middle nowhere, where they have built this um, Formula One racetrack, Circuit of Americas, um, and there's nothing else around it other than this is the racetrack and people come there for the big race, but they happen to have a stage set up, pavilion, I guess you'd call it stage, more stage um, set up in the middle of the racetrack, and that's where they hold the concert. So the, the unique thing about this, I guess, is the stage and the seats um, have no roof. Um, think of it almost like the gorge. Um, it's just kind of an open stage, no roof to the stage, and then all the pit seats and you know what would traditionally be a pavilion, no no roof either. And I think that that setting in a, and it's a smaller venue. It's not like big like the gorge. I think that combination of a small venue with no roof really starts it off at a disadvantage because it puts you. It, it doesn't. It hurts you in the sense that. Um, the light show, the light show, which can just add some kind of energy to the show. It, it, it's it shoots off into nowhere, right? There's no roof, nothing extra to kind of contain the the fog, the where the lights bounce off. So that kind of you know a little bit hurts. But the bigger ones, the the sound of the band, it, they just it spreads wider, right? There's no kind of little pocket, no little roof, no little venue that you're filling with sound. It's now kind of just dispersed in open air, so the sound can kind of get a little damaged, and then the crowd energy back at the band also just dispersed mass air. If you think about stuff coming from the back of the pavilion seats, the traditional pavilion seats, that energy making it to the band in an open space like that, much more different as opposed to inside a venue. So those things, lights, um, band sound, and crowd sound, I think are affected by the no roof, and I think it put Austin at an additional disadvantage, regardless of even before the set list was written. Um, a disadvantage. It seemed like a big difference because then when we hit Houston and Dallas, having having that kind of traditional pavilion roof feel, crowd in there, energy. I mean, just f- starting off in Dallas, the energy was insanely different um, compared to Austin, and I think part of that is just the the format of the venue. If that makes any sense. No, I think that's interesting. Do you think that uh, well, just like you said. The venues aren't that far away from each other, so I wonder if just because of the difference in the set list, if that made a difference. Because there were some songs played uh, in Dallas that were not played last year in the acoustic set, Um, and I'm going to go by memory. I don't think One Sweet was played last year in acoustic, and I know So Much to Say and Bridge and Too Much were not. Mm -hmm. So that's four-ish you think that has something to do with with the energy as well, or is it just that that kind accelerated of a the energy? You knew just off the the bat, though, just the first couple songs um, in Dallas that the the crowd was singing and dancing, and it was less just like listening. It also felt like a lot more listening than kind of giving back, vibing back at the band. And again, I think that's because it's hard to pick up on the crowd without the roof, and so you just kind of feel like. You're just dancing or singing with just a couple people around you as opposed to an entire venue. So right off the bat, in Dallas, you know, I would say even you know, start with Older Hill or into Gravedigger, you just could feel the energy of the crowd. 
And then when they started going into a mid-set ants, which that started to really accelerate it, because um, usually that's something you're going to get as a closer. And then a One Sweet World, I'll back you up, you know, a nice little little treat there. Typical, really got people going. And then there's so much so much to say into the bridge, into too much, really just popped it off where you're like, was this even an acoustic set? Yeah, we got the quiet songs in there, but it just felt the band was out of their seats dancing. The energy around the crowd you can hear was much more different. So this, this, the second, set of the second part of the acoustic set definitely helped accelerate it, but you could tell just from the beginning, just from Older Hurl Gravedigger, that um, you could feel the crowd energy better, and the, the band just seemed to be having a lot more fun. That's 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 always actually that's the key really to a show is is that the band having fun out there that really is what takes it and pushes it over the top as long as they're up there having fun with everything Mm -hmm. um, that's that's I think the secret to a good show Um, I want to ask you a question because I have not listened to the Dallas show yet Um, uh, was the minarets in the style of last year which was the um, the old 1994 intro version with maybe even a little rap from a carter or did they go back to the um 2012 version definitely the rap we got the carter okay. carter rap uh unless i'm i think i was excited about that i think i actually maybe got some video of that um but it was yeah it was uh it was an awesome awesome way to start the electric set yeah that's Dallas. that's actually um for you um for you fans of the old school rap that's actually slow and low which was made popular by the Beastie Boys. However, it was written and originally recorded by Run DMC, but not released on any of their albums. It's one of like the greatest hits albums from Run DMC. But that's an old uh, that's an old Beastie Boys song from um, whatever the license sale was. License Slow and low. There you have it. There's your Beastie Boys factoid of the day. <laughs> got to get it. Got to fit it in the podcast somewhere. Glad it, it took you only took you a little thirty minutes to get into it. Exactly. So, but that was a solid show. I mean, uh, the the Dallas show was was very well received on Ants. That's sitting at the time of this, it's about four point four five rating, which is which is good. It's above average. If you're if you hit four, you're doing okay. Anything below four is a little sketchy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's pretty solid for you know close to two hundred people that uh, have that were in attendance at the show mm-hmm. that have checked in. Yeah, that number will always. Uh, rise so that was a good show and then you move into the iron man uh city of houston yep and that um that acoustic show carried on a little bit with some things that you weren't expecting i mean freaking beach ball man that place beach ball loves the woodlands for some reason i'm not sure the connection there but um i think it's like what three out of the five times it's been played or something ridiculous like that has been the woodlands it's something crazy. Let's see what we have listed. We have it, of course, I have to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. We have fifteen in, including some Dave and Tim's, and that's also gonna count um the T's in Tampa. No, it doesn't count the T's in Tampa. So if you count the T's in Tampa, it's sixteen. Okay. But it's been in played in Texas a lot. Yeah. I don't so know what I don't know what the connection there there is with that. There must be be something. I'm, it used to actually be because when Beach Ball's not that old, I actually kind of thought like Beach Ball was a song that they had on their like kind of practice list and like, hey, be prepared to play Beach Ball list or the list of songs right. to be prepared. Beach Ball was on it and they all prepared and they played it at the start of the um, of the year and they got it out of the way and it just never made it back and no one really kept up, you know, it kept it in the repertoire and I just thought it was something that always just kind of got played early. You prepared for it, got it, played it and it never came back and I don't know if that's still the case or if it's just something about Texas um, that really gives them the, the summer kind of beach ball feel. I don't know. I, I always like beach ball. Love the uh, the released version from 2009, which was part of the uh, like the iTunes release or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. That that version is just amazing. Um, I, I kind of wish they would play it in that style. I know that, that Dave kind of messes with it and has changed it around how he's going to start it a few times. But I'm still a fan of it. I, I would be very happy if I heard Beach Ball at a show that I attended. Yeah, I mean, it was it was good. I mean, I want the full band Beach Ball. So this was right. Dave, this was Dave and Dave's solo Beach Ball. I absolutely love uh, Rashawn's nice jazzy end to Beach Ball. Um, I, I could listen to that on a loop. Um, 
So maybe I'm a little sour because when I, it was Dave Solo for Beach Ball, I was like, I'm not going to get my, that, that part that I think is one of the better parts of the song. So that kind of was a downer. But oh, it was very unique. Was not, and everybody trying to, everybody trying to pick an opening song, um, nobody, nobody had Beach Ball uh, as the opener. And then you got, um, I'm sorry, then you got Funny the Way It Is, Acoustic, which was a debut. So what was the difference between the acoustic version and the electric version of Funny the Way It Is? Oh, geez. I don't think I noticed anything, but maybe I maybe I just didn't pick up on it. it sounded pretty... No, you you probably the, didn't. The fl- which is... flute? <laughs> yeah, that, isn't that the, the default? <laughs> That's, if, it, if, it has a, if it's going to be acoustic, just put a flute on it. Pretty much. That's that seems to be the um, the secret. That's I think that's one of the things that's um, disappointing to a, to a few fans and even me. I would gladly say that that's disappointing to me. Is it's just because that uh, they haven't really rearranged the acoustic stuff like I expected. Yeah, to. just to be clear, the flute doesn't disappoint you. It's the it's that they haven't rearranged the songs. Much Correct. Yeah. No. No. I I I think actually that. Jeff's great on that. Oh, it's really good. Um, I mean, I think he's awesome on it, but I um, wish there was more to than just switching an instrument and playing the flute. Correct. Yeah, that's that's my only problem with that. And, you know, obviously, the stand-up bass is, is, is different, but still, um, you know, it's it, I, I just kind of expected more. And, and I've seen over um, Dallas and in, in Houston, two songs that I thought were really good acoustically. Uh, Typical was played in... in in um, Dallas mm-hmm. and Rhyme and Reason, which was played in Houston, mm-hmm. which were two songs that I, I think they kind of did enough to it that made it sound a little different. Those are two songs that I, I hope stay in the rotation. Oh yeah, um, not too much in acoustic. I do. I do hope that we continue the trend and we see more songs um, and the band trying more things acoustically. I think that's really going to be the, the secret to this tour. Yeah, I think that. I think you put it really well. If they if if we can get a little adventurous with the um, with the acoustic tour, the acoustic set, um, I think um, all, we've already seen just in these last two shows that that could be pretty exciting and kind of change up how, how the set feels as a whole, um, where you don't feel like it's going to be kind of a little bit quiet or you already know it's going to be one of 15 songs or one of 20 songs that's going to be an acoustic set. You're really going to be surprised by the acoustic set. I think people will be a little bit more excited. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the um, the key for the future of, of the tour. And, and the key really for fans is um, after the first show in Austin, just seeing the reactions from, from most of uh, the message board and from Twitter, it seemed that people were a little bit down, a little bit uh, disappointed. But after Houston and Dallas, seeing just those songs just kind of coming in that you weren't expecting – now that sort of surprise element is brought back in because let's be honest, by the time you got to halfway through the tour last year, you kind of knew what was coming in the acoustic set. Yeah, that's what that was. That became what I think disappoint started to disappoint people, uh, especially people that are going to multiple shows or even those that are just watching the set list waiting for their show to come about. Um, you kind of felt you, you knew the range of songs that were going to be in the acoustic set. Right. Yeah. Um, there's there's a couple other little twists coming for the tour this year, um, and that is um, some guests that have been announced. Of course, uh, Bela, we'll say it in honor of, of Matt, who likes pronouncing it like that, Fleck. Bela Fleck will be at SPAC in, um, out in Colorado. And, and they said that Emmylou Harris is going to be in the Atlanta or the uh, sorry, the Alabama shows mm-hmm. as well. There was one guest, however, Joe M, that you may have been expecting. Uh, yeah, in Texas. Yeah. yeah, it's funny you bring that up. I mean, they announced, they kind of, once they announced Ballon, I, I thought they kind of gave some vibe like, hey, DMB is going to have fret some friends join throughout the tour. Um, uh, th- and kind of started to get the impression like, ooh, maybe this year's kind of little gimmicky thing or kind of fun thing is going to be each show is going to have some unique guest and only maybe a guest is only going to be used on maybe four shows on a tour and it's going to stay, stay rotating pretty good. Um, and cause they announced Bella with those four shows, Emmy Lou with, uh, two shows. And then what happened after that was the Austin 360 amphitheater website announced on their website. Um, Ziggy Marley was going to be joining Dave Matthews band for the Austin show. 
And people were pumped, like, oh, that's going to be awesome. What are they going to pull out? Some three little birds or who knows, you know, what, what's going to be some... Exodus. Yeah, Exodus. I mean, oh, this is freaking awesome. Um, so everyone kind of knew about that. But, um, you know, and no one really kind of questioned it. They still kind of accepted that, all right, it wasn't on the official band website, but, you know, it seemed like it was going to happen. And you go through the entire Austin show and Ziggy never shows up or no guest ever shows up. And suddenly you're like, okay, I guess this year's, excuse me, not going to be the, the year of guests. Um, and what happened to Ziggy? And the joke was, uh, people that may not know, um, there's a big, big, tornado warnings and thunderstorm before Austin show and <laughs> mistakenly the venue through the the uh, uh, third party that they used the third party mistakenly sent an email to all the people that have bought tickets to Austin and said the show has been canceled um because and it's it had some weird thing because of because of freezing temperatures and it's been rescheduled for Sunday March 29th it, it was very strange but if you just got the email and the title was you know Dave Matthews band um, show has been postponed because of weather, and there was actually weather, uh, everyone was devastated. And so the venue was actually on huge damage control, tweeting every couple seconds to people that were tweeting to them, it was like literally seconds between tweets, telling people, no, it's still on, no, it's still on, no, it's still on. So it was a big mess. But the joke became, did Ziggy Marley get that email and forget and, and not show up because he thought the show was canceled? Um <laughs> But uh, a little disappointed, I think. I don't know what happened there. What caused the venue to post that Ziggy Marley? Okay, what gave them the impression that they should post Ziggy Marley uh, on the website? Um, they, and, and they did that early. Yeah. They did that very, very early because that was even before they announced any of the guests officially. Right. So it was it was very strange, and I have a feeling we're not going to ever find out what the actual – Either, either we'll never find out or some other l lucky venue out there is going to get the new rescheduled Ziggy Marley guest um, surprise and, and well, Austin lost, off, lost out on it. Exactly. And I hope that uh, whoever gets that gets Exodus because that is still one of their best cover songs. That would be awesome. So we'll yeah. see. You know, Right now we've got Bella and Emily Lou for sure released by the band. And I guess the best thing we can say is, you know, we'll just have to watch for what the band announces for other guests. Um, if they do, um, take anything else as a grain of salt, because as it's proved here with Austin. So I guess the other question that hangs out there after three shows is, are we going to hear any more songs? Because there's all these rumors floating around that the album, there's the DMB's A doing an album and it's it's ready to go and it, this and that and everything else and blah, blah, blah. Um, Joe M, how many uh, new songs did you hear at the three shows that you saw in Texas? New songs for Joe M? <laughs> or no, uh, new songs of DMB's? Yes, yes. Uh, I did kidding. Um, unfortunately, you could say zero, or if you want to call it Black and Bluebird, you can say one. Um, but that was it. Well, we'll let's count Black and Bluebird as one. Okay. So let's just kind of go back in our little memories. Um, back in 2012, DMB released an album called Away From The World. And the very first show, they played three songs from that new album. They played Sweet, they played Gaucho, and they played Mercy, which had already debuted on the Jimmy Fallon show maybe a month before the tour started or whatever it was. Hmm. Um, if you kind of go back throughout the run, even back to 09, they played three songs off the bat. They played YM, they played Shake Me. They played funny uh, on that little um, on that little tour, the fall tour, mm -hmm. before the album came out. And they actually played a couple more shortly thereafter. Um, there seems to be a trend of three when the album's ready. Um, according to my math, they played one. <laughs> your math appears no, to be correct. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that later, try to confirm it. But I think your math is right. There was only one. I'm not saying it's a duck. I'm just saying that it's walking like a duck and talking like a duck. Actually, that's all I'm saying. I think that's a pretty good analysis. Actually, I mean, I I do think if things were a lot more firm, and you had a good ten songs done, um, you think you'd 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 want to play play something else new uh, and not just the the one that you've already played over three shows or four shows if you count the webcast. 
you know, it's just kind of, uh, you can even go back even further. I mean, if, if we go back to 07, now, of course, there was not an album uh, in 2007 that, that was released, but we know that the band had done some, uh, some studio work. Um, you know, you've got Sister that was played, which is a kind of newish song. 27 was played, which was a newish song at the time. So you had two off the bat um, in, in 2007. And if you go back to 2006, now 2006 was a little bit different because they actually didn't debut a song. They actually released that. That's live tracks. Um, you know, I should have been prepared for this. 25. That's live tracks 25, which was the opening show of the tour. Hmm. And they actually didn't play a song to debut that one. But later on, they started trickling songs out okay. slowly. That was the year of, of Kill the King and Shotgun. Um Stuff like that. So, so using uh, the Jake the, Jake theory of new album completeness, that theory would say what? Uh, well, according to the trend, oh, oh the trend it, that it's that it's not ready yet. Um, that's what the trend says. However, you know, as I said in Ants Plus today, just because something fits in the peg. Does it make it a square? So I, I think that I, I think that you can draw some conclusions to this, but I think that people that are thinking that the that the album is going to come out next week mm-hmm. probably should check it a little bit. Yeah, I think that is a pretty realistic expectation, just based on the trends and just just how they would roll it, roll stuff out if they really did have songs. I think, I think they, I think we've made progress. They definitely, they, you know, for those that didn't know, I mean, said they were in the studio, said they recorded, recorded some songs, Black and Bluebird, obviously being, I would say one of, <laughs> one of those. But, um, at the point where they have the songs done to make an album, stretch. Uh, that's just the way it seems. So I, you know, just kind of keep your ears out and give yeah. her a listen. The other kind of comment I heard was, this is the song, Black and Bluebird, that's the song that they picked out of the songs they recorded that they want to, that they think is the, the one to get out there, that's the one to really win us over. And I said, I mean, look at Gaucho, right? Gaucho was the kind of tour release song um, for the last album. Do you really think the band thinks that Gaucho was like the best song on the album? You know, and I think part of it goes to that um, that time signature thing mm-hmm. of it's a fun, challenging song to play. And that's the way it seems that Black and Bluebird is. It's it's a fun, challenging song to play. I, I think that that plays into it a lot, too. Yeah, I think they definitely enjoy enjoy playing it, which, you know, it seems to be initially it was like um, the um, position two of the electric set night one position two of the electric set, um, night two. And, um, you know, I was wondering, hey, is this going to be a trend? Is this going to constantly be, you know, the second song? That would be kind of really kind of boring if you always knew what the second song was. But then night three did a real big mix up here and, and, and really swapped things around and did um, song five. Song five was Black Boot. So I think it's pretty pretty um, safe to bet that you'll probably get to hear Black and Bluebird um, in the first half of the electric set so for those of you that are only good to go to one show you'll definitely get you'll probably very likely get to hear it those that you go to multiple shows you'll get to hear it a lot well you know i think um that goes back to what we were saying uh before about you know they enjoy it then mm-hmm. they they, they want to get to it that's that's you know they, i think that's a good thing and that's kind of what what we're looking for so i think uh, early okay, in the I set is smart for have... a new song though and the people don't yeah, really know I, I it keeps the you know you haven't really built up all this momentum and then play something that people don't aren't familiar with you know people that haven't heard the song yeah i i don't really have a problem with it i'm yep. i'm fine with it they could play it if if there's 50 shows this year they could play it 50 times i could care less yep it's it, that's just fine so, so well, anyway so it's going to be interesting to see how many times they do play it the rest of the tour you what, you're going to give <laughs> you're going to give it a percentage what what's going to be the batting percentage uh, i I mean, if there's how many shows are there? You don't have to know. Uh, just whatever. To... They're gonna they'll, they'll probably skip it three times. Oh, you're going that you're going that specific. I thought you were gonna say give me like an eighty percent batter batting yeah, uh, eight hundred or something. Uh, but you're gonna say three three specifically three shows will not get it. 
Yeah, I mean they're gonna they'll probably play it two out of three times in the gorge. Right. They'll probably play it probably some 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 two night stand two two other two night stands will not get it both nights. Right. I mean I, I could see SPAC getting it twice. I could see Camden getting it twice. Um maybe they'll skip one of the nights at West Palm and maybe they'll skip one of the nights in Deer Creek. There you go. That's it. If you if you called that, drinks on you. <laughs> all right <laughs> all right sweet sounds really good yes um let's go uh let's move on to a couple other things kind of briefly because that's really what we wanted to talk about was just the tour um in general but just wanted to mention a couple other things um just kind of in passing did you get your warehouse disc yet joanne okay so you all know what you know what happened last year with my warehouse disc uh, it was the, it became the running joke on the podcast that um, that I that I wasn't gonna get one, and I did I did finally get one. Thank you, warehouse. Um, but I must have I must have moved to the top of the list because I got mine right away. Um, so I have received my warehouse disc. Excellent, excellent. It seems like you are not the only one because uh, it seems like everybody else is getting it too. So that's a good thing. And that's really all I wanted to talk about. about the disc. <laughs> although, although I like the disc a lot. I think it's kind of, I, I really like the chill nature of it. And it's got two songs specifically that I think just sound great on the disc. I think the uh, dive in is really, 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 really good. And mm-hmm. Boyd sounds great on it, which incidentally, Boyd has sounded fantastic this tour already yes that really, thank you uh, i'm glad you brought that up i meant to say that and i was like there was one other thing i wanted to say about the shows and um that was that boyd has been been on point and everyone's been commenting that he, he just he looks comfortable doesn't look like he's he's struggling at all so that's a really promising news that um you know his health's doing good and the sound has just been on point the solos have been on point they were playing lots of songs that feature Boyd, so um, I would say this could be could be the year of Boyd. Excellent. Maybe we'll get a true reflection said too. Hey, hey, hey! Don't push your luck. Exactly. Uh, the other thing, just briefly, that I wanted to mention on the warehouse disc was uh, that Jimmy thing on there, which is uh, with Dave and Tim and, and um, Stefan also on there. I love the mix on that too because you can hear Stefan so clearly, and the bass just sounds so good on that. And of course, they drop into "What Will Become of Me," which is, which is fantastic. And that is the one song I still think that everyone really, 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 really wants to hear acoustically. Is that on, I know is that on everyone's it. warehouse or only the the ten? I don't know. I probably on the ten. Great. Um, so you just got everyone excited about it, and not everyone can hear it. Well, you know, that's what you get for not being in the warehouse for three plus years. <laughs> <laughs> warehouse has been pretty so, warehouse has been pretty um good about um allowing fans to he- check out those other songs. So if you weren't able to hear them, um you, you know, I'm sure you can go visit the boards and uh and do a an old school B and P. Remember B and P? You know what B and P stands for? Can you actually you probably can do that. If not, then just ignore that part. You know, the say goodbye on this really good too by the way just want to mention that oh okay that's say goodbye boyd sounds great on that too you, second verse you can hear him in there very nice you, are you trying to get around my question yes i'm trying to get around your questions exactly what i'm doing <laughs> <laughs> that's called a subject changer yeah. um speaking of subject changers uh live tracks 33 <laughs> came out which is something that the fans saw and just went gaga over because there was a quote-unquote unheard song on there it was labeled i think soundcheck song or something like that soundcheck jam it was the last song as a bonus release released uh on live tracks 33 which is recorded at lupo's from uh january 31st 1995 which is a a small little place in um providence rhode island and much to the shock probably of most fans the song was like 10 minutes long and actually had real lyrics to it and had some some Good beat, and people were like, "Holy cow, this is actually really cool." I sadly so, have not had a chance to hear about it, but I have received multiple text messages um, asking me, "What's the deal with this song?" You know, this song's awesome. This is great. Um, was this ever in the studio? Did they ever try to record this? Does it have a, another running name? You know, blah blah blah. But it's seem I, I sadly I haven't had a chance to 
pull out my live track 33 and listen to it, but it seems like reception's been really good. Yeah, it's it's a it's a nice little jam. It was actually played. It was teased live once, um, but that show was not recorded because it was done in um, in Europe. So this is actually the only chance that you can have to hear it unless you were actually at that show in Europe, wherever the heck it was, which probably you weren't. Um, although you probably were, Joe, because you don't miss any shows. But you know, the rest of the normal people. Um, but you know, it's just—it's kind of cool, and I, I think it's interesting that um, that th- those things exist, and it kind of gives people hope that maybe they can go back and and revisit this. And, and judging by the reaction that Live Tracks Thirty Three got, uh, you know, I hope that there's a chance for that because I, I think that's really really cool to hear something that old that's kind of structured and just like, wow, where'd that come from? Yep. Um, what's your thoughts on taking a couple questions? Uh, and while you're doing that questions, maybe you can pull them up. Are you able to pull them up, and I can uh, maybe just recap some I, of the stuff we got going on on the site related to the tour, or no? I can I can do that. I can read the questions whenever you're ready. Okay. Well, I just want to quickly throw a shout out to that. Hey, we got the setlist game going on. Um, so if you haven't played before, jump in there. You can play as little as um, one show, or try to go take a stab at uh, multiple shows. We do one of the rankings that is just, hey, who has the best average, running average? So if you can't make every show, you're not out of it. You can still just go for having the best points average across the shows that you do play, which is like something like you have to be a minimum of five shows, so you can't just get an awesome one show and be at the top of the list. So check out the Setlist game. We're doing um, Twitter Twitter updates um, from the shows um, from our AntsMarching.org um, um, Twitter account or an Instagram, so check those out. We want to follow, do the couch tour from home, um, and then um, if you like to get uh, song updates uh, as the band plays them, um, check out DMB Live Twitter, um, DMB Live uh, Twitter account. You can, you know, kind of a free way to get some updates on that. Just subscribe with your Twitter um, account. Just subscribe to notifications for that account. Um, and you can get, you know, text messages or, you know, Android or iPhone, you know, notifications anytime that account tweets and that account only tweets when a new song is being played. So if you'd like to get, you know, live up to date notifications on your mobile devices, um, for, for songs as they're played, check out DMB live Twitter. Um, anything else I'm missing there, Uh Jake? No, I, I think you just about uh, nailed it. Very nice job there. Excellent. Better than Matt would do it, that's for sure. He's not here. We're going to say that with Matt. Um, here's a question we sort of danced around a little bit, but um, this is from uh, George Petty with a little at sign before it. How long does this hot streak stick around? What other songs you see being thrown in? I don't want to get into the songs being thrown in, but just the hot streak. I don't see why this can't continue the rest of the tour. Am I crazy? No, I mean, sure. it. I, I I think this could just be the normal streak. Um, we'll see. Um, but right now, I don't think there's any indication to think that this is just a hot streak. This could just be the normal streak. That's kind of my my. I hope I hope well. it's the normal streak. Um, I don't hope it's not just a hot streak. Yeah, um, a lot of these we've already addressed. I guess we act, we actually produce a really really good podcast. Well, still give, give them a shout, give them a shout out. Um, uh, whoever asked a question, uh, Cindy C twenty three asked about favorite changes thus far from the two sets. I think we sort of got into that about how it's you're really not expecting. We, we really don't know what to expect now, and that's yeah. that's great. That's really what we're looking for. Um, we talked a little bit about, she also asked about the um, other guests. And I don't think we have a clue what's going on, except we're all hoping Ziggy Marley actually didn't cancel by accident. Yes, didn't read that email. Yes, and we hope there are going to be more guests. And it kind of they gave the, they gave the idea that there would be some other people joining them, maybe. Um, I think it would be, if you look at, again, we could talk about trends usually get a few guests throughout the tour, and we just only have two announced so far, so I'm sure they'll, maybe I don't want to say for sure, but if you go with the trends, I think there'll be some other guests. Do you, do you think that fans are a little nervous because there's three people they don't necessarily want to see? Yes. Uh, on tour? <laughs> um, uh, uh, what three people are you talking about? Are you not allowed to mention yeah. them? Are you not allowed to mention them by name for, for yeah. fear of that um, that they may be summoned? Yes, the the, the names that we shall not say. Um, 
I think it's a natural fear. I think it's, listen, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a 95% chance that you don't want to hear those people. Um, so I, you know, I, I think it's natural. I think it's just kind of people are sitting back kind of wondering what's going to happen with them. Um, you know, we don't know, I don't know, and you don't know if they're going to be there. Um, not seeing a guest at the first venue can kind of make me think maybe they won't be, and they're actually going to announce all the guests. Um, so maybe they won't be. I mean, yeah. do you announce that? Would you, would you announce that? <laughs> if we if we if we go with what we were talking about earlier, is say the band's going to do what they enjoy, which is hey, I'm going to play seven, I'm going to do some, you know plays, shake like a monkey, whatever it may be. If you follow that trend, the chances are you're probably going to hear the ladies. Oh, you said their name. Damn it! What the? <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Thanks. Now they're going to now they're going to now now they're, they're joining the rest of the tour. Ah. Um, I think that's I think that's everything. There was a question uh, about um, this is a very important question from um, I believe it's B O W A thirty four or it could be Boa thirty four for Larry Boa. Um, how much hair gel did you use, Joe, pre pre podcast? <laughs> that's a fair question all of it is that the answer yeah i was gonna say how do you measure a percentage of the bottle um it's less than all and more than none <laughs> very good that's, 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 the better question that's is how good. the better question is how much did i use during the podcast Give me a break. All right, before we, before we wrap this up, I, I'm going to tell one very quick story. Yeah, you said, you, I heard you had a little um, little little story you had to share. Okay, this this will be really, really quick because I know this one's going a lot longer than we thought. But um, my wife and I went and saw Lisa Loeb perform, and she just does a little acoustic tour, and she doesn't play a lot of dates around the country, but she was, she was in Orlando. So my wife and I went over and saw her, and, and just side note, she's really great live. She's very, very entertaining. She's funny. She's really funny. So it was it was a good time. And it was also interesting, too, because she comes out and she plays a song and she kind of forgets the lyrics. She could have used a teleprompter, actually. Um, and she kind of like lost it and, and then kind of picked it up again. It was it was funny stuff. So she gets to a point in the show where she's asking for um, she's asking for uh, suggestions for what to play. So people start yelling out songs here and there. She plays one song. She literally doesn't remember the lyrics. And some guy's yelling from the from the crowd telling her what the verse is. And he's like, oh, okay. And she starts playing it and she gets through it. So I was just kind of putting that in perspective going, gee, you think Dave would ever do that? Mm. Probably not. No, no. So um, right before the show started, as you may know, I, I tweet often. So I sent out a tweet saying, yeah, I'm at the Lisa Loeb show. Yay. Um, I love those so tweets. She has, yes, thank you. I'm, I'm very good at those. Between that and pictures of cigars, that's pretty much all my Twitter <laughs> is. Um, so she has a song called Jake. And I was like, hey, what a great name for a song. So she says, um, all right, I'm going to play a song called Jake, and I'm going to send this out to Jake because I know he tweeted right before the show. What? And my wife tweets me, she goes, that's you. And I'm like, come on, that's not me. There's probably you know, 200 people here, and you know, probably half of them are named Jake. I'm sure they've all sent out tweets. So she starts playing the song, and while she's playing the song dedicated to me, I'm going through my phone looking, going, you know, is there any other Jake that actually tweeted her? And I'm looking like, whoa. How you like that? She actually was talking about me. Nice. So I'm like, oh, just made my entire year of concerts. How many people can say they had a song dedicated to them? And after the show, she even favorited like a tweet of mine. So Lisa Loeb and I are now Twitter buddies, I think, that we've kind of bonded. Yeah, you guys. So are. I suggest you, you go see my Twitter buddy, Lisa Loeb, when you see her live. And, and maybe if you have a kind of unique request, send her a tweet because she actually reads them and she actually reads them and replies yeah. to them too. Because so. <laughs> I, I think, you know, uh, if we were to try to tweet at Dave Matthews' Twitter account, which has been dormant for, I think, exactly seven years, um, th there is about a negative 100% chance that um, that you're, that will get factored in. Yeah, I, I love when they tweet, like, at Dave, and then they tweet, like, they bring us in on it too, the Ants Twitter, yeah, saying, yeah. like, hey, can you help me out with tickets? Yeah. Well, I, there's always hey. the request. Hey, gotta play play two step at um, at um, Bristow for me. 
Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, that'll happen. Don't ask us. We're not writing the set list. No, or, nor is the person writing the set list reading tweets. <laughs> That's for sure. Right. So there you go. There you, you could, there you you could try Boyd and Stefan a lot, but um, the person that has the most influence, I don't think, is reading tweets. This is very true. So, um, what's your next uh, show coming up? Because you're not going to see one probably by the time we podcast again, or unless we take a little time. Um, unless we're podcasting in the next couple of days, I will see another show because I am going to um, the Bristow show this weekend. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. Uh, very good. So you're going to be, and I'm going to go to um, Atlanta, so you'll be four ahead of me by the time uh, we meet up again. So maybe we'll um, maybe we'll have a chance before we'll, Atlanta to knock something out. Yes, it'll be a couple more here without our good friend, our Golden Pipes, Matt, um, while he still is trekking around Europe. Um, but if this turns out to be a success and we, and I didn't forget to hit the record button and this actually worked and we didn't just spend this time talking to ourselves, um, maybe we'll get brave and do another one. Excellent. Sounds like a plan. Cool. Well, thanks everyone for joining until the next podcast. Um, check us out on the website and, uh, we will come at you again with our next set of updates. Any final words, Jake? Just go see Lisa Loeb, my good friend. <laughs> and that's it. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the AntsMarching.org podcast. Visit AntsMarching.org and be part of the largest DMB community on the Internet. Show downloads, tour central, personal show stats and set list game, and so much more. AntsMarching.org, the best stop for all things DMB.